Hi everybody, welcome to No Story Secret. If you've never listened before, basically we're four siblings who grew up talking about the art of storytelling. Now that we're adults, we're still talking about it and we're inviting you to join the conversation. I'm Alex, and for ten grand, I will save my ex-girlfriend for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Kat, and I'm not queer, I just uh, have a really terrible haircut and am uninterested in the male lead. <laughs> mm. Scans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Most true sentence you ever said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Brendan, and I'm going somewhere, but at a reasonable amount of speed. I don't want to, you know, risk an accident or something, right? Uh, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm Pippin, and this podcast is a rock and roll fable. Aww. Uh, which you'd think would mean there'd be more singing but you know whatever <laughs> i am not joining in on that one <laughs> for once uh, you never join in the musical bits yeah no, 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 no. you never studied <laughs> while, you while were we were busy, singing you were studying you played <laughs> i was studying god damn it Pippin. i knew what he was i was gonna pick up what he was putting down i was so fucking proud of myself just like a real improver brendan Pip uh, snatched up before you. Pip she saw did. the pattern. She saw the game of the scene. Oh I God. saw oh. the sign. And it opened up. No, wrong song, guys. Like, she's starting to believe. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of songs, guys, why are we all? <laughs> wow. Uh, Here I am trying to fucking progress the pod. For once, I'm on task. <laughs> and all you other fuckers are just like, you know, it'd be really funny. More song gags. Yeah. 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 It scans. I mean, for this movie, it makes sense. Like, Kat. Yeah. Kat, you just need to remember that tonight is what it means to be young. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Listen, one, two, three, four <laughs> is the uh, number I'm counting up to because that's how many siblings there are, and it's not a musical reference at all. Don't worry about uh, it. Four, three, two, one. <laughs> Anyways. Today, we're talking about the 1984 movie Streets of Fire, so spoilers abound. If you want specific content warnings about things we may talk about, check out the show notes on nostorysacred.com. For those of you who've never seen Streets of Fire, the summary, according to Google, is Raven Shaddock, and my god, that is a fucking name, <laughs> along with his gang of merciless biker friends. Hi, we're the biker friends! Hi! That sounds wholesome. Uh... Kidnaps rock singer Ellen Aim. That's um, awesome. Great name. Great name. Oh, yeah. Ellen Aim, amazing. Oh, yeah. Ellen and his former lover, soldier for hire, for hire Tony... <laughs> I am. Ellen's former lover, soldier for hire Tom Cody, happens to be passing through town uh, on a visit. In an attempt to save his star act, Ellen's manager, Billy Fish, hires Tom to rescue Ellen. Billy and Tom, along with former soldier McCoy, battle through dangerous cityscapes, Determined to get Ellen back. And this is largely what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, episode's over. Yeah. yeah. And Good job, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a re- That's the recap. Hey. Uh, but no, I will uh, say that um, uh, uh, Tom Cody, whoever that actor is, um, is a guy uh, who definitely has a jaw made for posters. Oh, yeah. But and not the correct. Def- <laughs> and definitely can can wear the hell out of a trench coat. That's uh, true, but, he can. But, uh, and a shotgun. And a shotgun. Again, makes for great posters. I will point out two things. One, um, that mustache. And two, 
everything else. Thank you. Huh. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, like the, like when the gang he takes a car from, um, that, <laughs> that, like that little gang, like when the leader of that calls him pretty boy, like, but, and dude, you're, you're like, you're much prettier than him. <laughs> he had, uh, you know, he has pretty elements. Again, the jaw, the uh, shoulders. Uh, it's not, but <laughs> it's it's not pretty. He's attractive, but uh, not in a pretty way. Oh, but I he's can a see rough that. soldier for hire. You know who actually is pretty in that is is the Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm nah. Oh, that's right. That's his actual name. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Who I'm going to maintain here right now is a uh, member of the fairy folk. Okay, okay. Uh, who has kidnapped to help the mortal woman? Oh, the mortal woman who can sing for her art. Yeah. Mm. How about that? It's a fable, guys. It says so right on the tin. It so does. almost makes up for how misogynistic it is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, does a, does somebody want to give a rundown? Well, uh, Raven Shaddock, <laughs> along with his gang of merciless biker friends, kidnapped <laughs> rock singer Ellen Aim <laughs> right Fucking in the beginning. Wow. Uh, All right, so, so, no shit, there we are. <laughs> Holy shit, and, we're singing. Uh, and, we're, this is a rock and roll fable in another time, another place. Where apparently it's, like, where it's legal to kidnap women. <laughs> well, the cops just can't do anything, Al. You just They're can't hide. And gosh, isn't that uh, Tom Cody so cool? So cool. <laughs> The cars are really cool. I'll say that. The cars look, you know what it is? I know, oh, I know which universe this is in, you guys. This is fucking what? Gotham. It's that universe from a, a Batman wants animated. It's to be goth- Gotham. No, it's not actually Gotham, but it's the same time, quote unquote, time period as Batman the animated series, Here's just a thing. different fucking city. Here's the thing. What you heard me say was, yes. uh, oh, it's not actually that thing. What I actually said was it wants to be. Like that. <laughs> it wants that aesthetic. Uh-huh. But the cars it failed. The cars make it. The cars did it. The cars did it. Yeah. They blew them up. Yeah, they lot. did. Like, and you can go, oh, that's why your budget is 14 million and you got 8 million back. <laughs> huh. uh, so this is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's an Step hour and one. a half. <laughs> it's got a fucking banger soundtrack. It's that's the correct length of time for that for that movie. Yeah. So I made a list of things on my phone of of uh, things that Streets of Fire has going for it besides its besides the soundtrack. <coughs> and oh let's see. no, likable characters. Um. No, no, uh, believable dialogue. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> don't want a valve honor on my streets. Like, but <laughs> <laughs> again, that, was, that cop was very much like I. I really like you, Tom, but. And I'm your biggest fan, but I gotta do my job, okay? Okay? Best friends? Okay. Like, I made you this friendship bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's Tom Cody. Like, he's a badass, and I busted him with a gun once. Man, he's so cool. God, I wish I was him. <laughs> did he say anything about me? Did, did he, did he, did mention he say, my name at all? Did he, cause, cause, uh, I thought that meant something. The, the cop has, him? like, underneath, uh, his seat in the squad car, like, their <laughs> yearbook from high school. Oh yeah, he cries written. as he pets it. Yep, yep. There, there's an inscription written by Tom on their senior year. Except it's Have not really well. It's not really well written. It's kind of chicken scratch. Yeah, it's like you're all right, Tom. <laughs> yeah, or it's just yeah. his name. Ah, yeah. Oh man, Ooh. that's grim shit, guys. 
<laughs> well, that's the grim streets of not Gotham. Right. And besides uh, William Defoe, was anyone really acting that, that well? <gasps> Diane uh, Lane. Diane Lane did a great job. But also, guys, uh, uh, Rick Moranis is in this film, and he is great. Was that and Rick Moranis? It's yeah. Rick Moranis. Yeah. He is Ellen Ames' agent or – no, no, it's her, current, it's her agent and her current lover. Yeah. And uh, because, Don't you know – Don't poop where you eat. Look, girls got to do what she got to do, right? She's not going to be young like that forever. Might as well get what she can. Eh. Oh, yeah. And Tom Cody, you know, can't blame her. Can't blame her. Can blame her a little bit, but <laughs> he blames her a lot. He he blames her throughout the entire movie until until she sleeps with him. Yeah, uh, and the worst that we can figure out that she did is she waited for two years, then figured he was dead. Yeah. Yep. Which yeah, which it? Like, yeah. You didn't even send a letter. I thought you were dead. <laughs> the only in this bla- indescript war. <laughs> the only blameless people in this entire fucking film, and who deserve every every goodness. Um, are the, uh, uh, the doo-wop group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love them. They're fantastic. Uh, they don't deserve this. And, uh, the random lesbian who is, because this is the eighties, I guess, is, um, not identified as such, but she has a terrible haircut and does not want to fuck the main character. And she's not yep. a guy. Therefore, only answer is she's gay. Here's the thing. You're forgetting that random blonde they pick up in the middle of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there a random blonde? Yeah. No. It's funny that you say you're forgetting something. Cat! <laughs> Fucking knew it. <laughs> I had a lot of plans in when it comes to, to watching this film. I had goals. And I dreams. Had, and dreams. I actually love this movie. I said Ooh. it. <laughs> no, I do. I love it for all that is wrong with it and all that is right. Just so I know, when was the last time you watched this movie? Um, <laughs> 1986. <laughs> I was... I think I was in high school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, cat. But I listened to the soundtrack we constantly. All did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. This was a, a frequent, frequently played uh, cassette back when we were kids. So, hey, aging ourselves here a little bit. Jim Steinman is a fucking god. It's true. But yeah, like, whenever we went on long family road trips and eventually as we cross the notch all of a sudden we wouldn't really get reliable radio signal anymore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's preach it would be when we'd switch on to like movie soundtracks or mm-hmm. audiobooks depending uh oh, yeah the uh the the adventures of sherlock holmes and dr watson brought to you <laughs> yes. by was it petri wine petri wine p-e-t-r-i from father to son to father, father to son, son. <laughs> made with uh, the finest of it was some kind of grape that they were desperately Muscat. trying muscat grapes that they were desperately trying to sell off. <laughs> like yeah. not like those other ones. <clears throat> the, the point being, we listen to the soundtrack a lot yeah. because the soundtrack is fucking uh, slaps. Yeah. I'm gonna get that on an album, you guys. Huh. Like on, f- on LP, on, on vinyl, guys. Uh. Fucking vinyl. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you if you like '80s jams, then yeah. If yeah. you like Jim Steinman, and, and we're talking like Jim Steinman who wrote all those good meatloaf songs. Jim Steinman who wrote those good Celine Dion songs. You know, uh, a, you know, where the, a ghost is randomly trying to fuck a woman. That totally cuts got- the heart, cat. Give it some so, respect. So a That's- way to enjoy meatloaf <laughs> style songs without having to listen to meatloaf? Yes. Whoa. Yes. It's, it's, I mean, rock ballad. This is a man who knew rock 
ballads. Apparently, uh, and Meatloaf does have a cover of Nowhere Fast, and I refuse uh, to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, Fuck off. yeah, don't bother. Yeah, just listen to Ellen Ames singing it. Hey, Ellen Ames was amazing. Oh yeah, it's by Fire Inc. If anyone wants to find it on Spotify later. Also, guys, nice. like his voice, he had the voice of an angel. Oh, was it a voice or a face? I don't know. Point is, like an her, angel. her like despair at how beautiful this was. It just comes through. Whoever did the singing for that, because I don't believe it was actually Diane Lane. Nah. Whoever did the what? singing fucking knew the assignment, and she delivered it. Huh. So we open on this amazing song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and, and like the uh, summary promised, the Bomber Gang. <laughs> the led Green by Goblin. Raven. Yeah, read by the Green Goblin, a.k.a. Raven Shaddock, a.k.a. Willem Dafoe. Um, a.k.a. the her. actor. A.k.a. <laughs> yeah. the A.K.A. the Fairy King. Oh, and he's very young and and is very like stark in terms of his like More facial features. More skinny than I would have pictured. <laughs> he's wearing a lot of leather. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, uh, he kidnaps her, and this kicks off the plot, such as it is. <laughs> uh, and well, you know, our our hero for hire has come back into town. I'm back in town. I'm driving fast. Nowhere fast. And he's like, I guess like. I heard that my girlfriend uh, is fucking around. But yeah. By the way, that's his actual voice. I actually just recorded it. Did you guys notice? Hmm. Oh yeah. Hmm. Like uh, contradicting the uh, summary from Google, he's not passing through. He his, his sister actually sent him a letter. Or saying, oh, that's right. His sister's also not a dick in this movie. Yeah. <gasps> the lesbian in this. Okay. I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, she he served her coffee. If you know what I mean. She. I, she wow. Goddamn right, she did. Listen, you don't understand. When I was in college. I went to a specific, like, how to deal with the fact that you are now in a college where there might be queer people. Um, and how to deal with the fact that, yes, you can try to date them. Um, cause that's the kind of place that I went to. Um, and it was very clearly explained to us that if some girl asks you for coffee, she's asking you out. And we're all like taking notes. We're like, really? That's what's happening? She's like, yes. Remember, it has to be a capital C coffee. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, movie. <laughs> Listen, not a lot happens in this movie, really. That's true. Uh, well, that Here, way we no. can get to the story changes faster. Come on. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to do it in a few sentences, okay? Ooh, okay. Oh, shit. Whoa. Okay. Whoa, okay. Shit. Which means, <laughs> oh, wait, she's going nowhere fast. <laughs> Which means other people are going to need to behave themselves. <clears throat> hold on, hold on. I'm going to stop watch here. Fuck off. Okay, Pip. To the moon. All right. Go. Uh, Woman Defoe steals Ellen Ames. Some people might call it, uh, kidnapping, whatever, uh, to the bad part of the town. Uh, Tom comes to town at the behest of his sister. He, the lesbian, and her boyfriend, uh, uh, Ellen Ames' boyfriend slash manager. I was about to say, like, the lesbian's boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Lesbian doesn't have a boyfriend. Uh, they go to the bad part of town to rescue them. They blow up half of the bad part of town, uh, in the attempt. (laughs) Uh, and they succeed. Saving, uh, uh, Alan from being raped because that was comfortable for all of us. Yeah. Mm, uh, they escape trials, tribulations. All cops are bastards. Well, yeah. In that part of town, uh, they get back. Uh, there's some emotions. <laughs> Rick Moranis is an asshole the entire time. They, uh, Tom and Alan get back together in the rain and sleep together like immediately afterwards without talking through their issues. That's not healthy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
the cop who uh, has a crush on Tom is going like, hey, you got to get out of town. Raven is going to come by, try to kill you. We don't need any uh, fights of honor in the street. Uh, Tom's all like, 10-4, good buddy. Uh, <laughs> takes Ellen on the train to out of town, knocks her out so the lesbian can get her out of town, and he goes to fight Raven on the streets. They have a big old fight. He knocks out Raven. The other uh, biker bomber people carry him away uh, in their arms, not at all homoerotically. <laughs> uh, and uh, Ellen finally finishes the performance from which she was kidnapped in the beginning, uh, and Tom leaves her to her life uh, and runs away with the lesbian. The lesbian! <laughs> who she reiterates is not going to sleep with him. She's the just end. She's just a mechanic and he has a car. Yep. <laughs> and tonight is what it means to be young. Uh, the your- end. Alright, that was just over two minutes, Pippin. Thank you. Nice. Did I miss anything? Um, You missed the cop buddy being like, uh... When, when Tom comes back to fight Raven at the end, he's like, well, my plan failed of doing nothing. You got any ideas, Tom? <laughs> you also missed the very important doo-wop group. Oh, yeah. That's oh, true. Yeah. That's part of the trials and tribulations as they were escaping the bad part of town. They, they kind of hijack the doo-wop group's bus. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, two wrongs do make a right. <laughs> well... That's okay because they fix it up because this doo-wop group—they're on the—they're uh, on the up, but they're—they're they're new. They're—they're they're, they're not yet big, and so as thanks for their uh, work, they get brought in at Ellen Ames's uh, return thing to sing backup. And that's oh, they, no, they also sing the open. Yeah, they open. Oh, for were her. they in the open? Yeah, they, they don't know what her. the. F- okay, so and then I don't know what kids, the fuck is going. Kids, kids, this teaches the important lesson about being open to networking. <laughs> You never know. <laughs> In whatever what, form it takes. Yeah. You never know if the group of highway warriors mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. stealing or hijacking your bus uh, happens to be the inn you need to finally make it big in not Gotham. <laughs> <gasps> if I've learned anything this week, you guys, networking. Yeah. Networking and, of course, shotguns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Oh. He does, he's pretty with a shotgun. I gotta say. That's the only everybody, time. Everybody uh, I, in this film is pretty with a shotgun. I may or may not have sent to you guys, uh, in the group chat, a great still shot of Tom Cody. Oh god. Oh. No, Did for that real. actor go off and do anything else? Or oh, was yeah. it just like, this is the cheapest, handsome jaw we could find? He fr- plays another character named Tom Cody later, who, which is in no what? way a secret, secret, secret sequel to Streets of Fire. Fucking what? Listen, there's a sequel to Streets of Fire? That's no, a secret? not an official one. Okay, that mustache is so dumb, but his shoes what? and trousers are, what are you so doing good. I was like, he had a mustache? I don't remember uh, yeah, I had the mustache. That's, Guys, that's, no, he had like a wispy shit mustache. Oh, the teenager mustache. Oh god, no, it's not even a porn stash. It's not even good. It's 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 a it's pe- it's a it's, he's got peach down. <gasps> it's yeah, but it's like it's not consistent peach down. Like, I would say that the guy who plays Patrick on Shit's Creek has kind of shitty facial hair, uh, but he's making it work. This just looks like a horny teenager who's desperate to grow that mustache and does not have the testosterone for it. I just came back from the war, you guys. But grizzled now. all the rest of his costume was just on fucking point. To be fair, all the costumes, I would say, were on point. Ellen Aim looks so pretty. She looks so good. But also, he's he's wearing, like, he's got the fucking sleeveless, like, I don't know. Everything everything was just good. Except the yeah. lesbian. But even for a lesbian, she was wearing a bomber jacket. So... so... So, timeline with this movie. Did this come out 
before like some of the other actors went on to to greatness? I mean, was this like Willem Dafoe like early early career? Because it seems like it. Well, I mean, he's always been one who's like, uh, yeah, art is art, but I need a paycheck. Mm. Yeah, Willem Dafoe don't give a fuck. Like, like when he was in the lighthouse, him and uh, uh, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson's off in a corner being like, "What if I was a lighthouse?" And uh, I guess Willem Dafoe's whole deal was like, "What if I was Willem Dafoe, but in a lighthouse?" So what would I? Oh, I sound like this, and I'm done. Paycheck. Wikipedia says Willem Dafoe's years active uh, as an actor is 1979 to present, and this was 84. That's early. So, oh yeah, so he's a so that would have been filmed at least a couple of years, like a year before minimum. Mm-hmm. So that gives him maybe one movie before this one, maybe, or could have been like TV role. To be yeah. honest, commercials. Do, uh, is IMDb at all useful anymore? I don't think it is. But I'm looking at Wikipedia. He's got Heaven's Gate, The Loveless, The Hunger, New York Nights, <laughs> then Streets of Fire. Okay, I'm I the love exact same every thing. single fucking title there. Uh, I think that's, that's amazing. Four films. Well, uh, I think uh, I think it's it's fair to say that we are part of the the Willem Dafoe fan club, right? Absolutely, <laughs> sure. Uh, I totally. fucking love we him. Know, we know all of it, all of the uh, things he's he's been. Listen, in. his ass as Green Goblin was astonishing. <laughs> anyway, oh man, Streets of Fire, Streets of Fire, the movie that we're talking uh, about right that now that we're all trying desperately not to talk about. <laughs> well, it desperately wanted to be like. A rock opera brought to film because there is music playing constantly uh, throughout the film. Rarely is it diegetic, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'm disappointed about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be like that. Diegetic means that it's actually part of the film as well, right? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, coming as from to extra diegetic, which is where we're hearing it, but the characters aren't. Like, yeah, so like horror uh, stings. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Ellen Ames singing in the beginning is a diegetic song because she's singing it. Singing it, yeah. Yep. And everybody there knows that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for most of the rest of the film, it's overlaid, so we don't. Hear Which is them too singing. bad. I'm actually now remembering my favorite bit of uh, diegetic music that was originally thought to be extra diegetic, which is when um, uh, 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 Venkman in in Ghostbusters taps the the keys on the piano. And uh, oh, yeah. we don't see it first. We just hear it. And it sounds like a sting, right? And then the camera goes to him. And you realize it's just him fucking around on the piano. Yeah. <laughs> they hate it when they they hate it when you do this. The first, the very, very opening of, I'm sorry, Lucifer, the TV show, like the first minute, mm-hmm. there's a song going as, you know, we get the establishing shots of Los Angeles. Ain't no rest for the wicked. Ooh. Uh, yeah. It's playing. Uh, as we do the establishing shot, and you go like, ah, ha, ha, yes, the show about the devil. We get it. And as we pan down, uh, we find out that Lucifer is blaring it from his car. <laughs> so it goes from extra diegetic, and we find out that it's diegetic. Which is a, f- that's a fun film trick. For all you it's people desperately fun. trying to make films and listening to so, our podcast for tips, there's a, there's a free one for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fuck you, uh, I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, one thing that kind of occurred to me as I was watching this movie again was like, how much better would this movie have been if they had just fully accepted what they wanted to be and mm. basically did like in the heights, but in Gotham? Here's the yeah. thing. I think that is what I, I glanced through the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think Glance. that is what they wanted to do. They had a specific vision. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just think that they failed at executing it. Well, Ooh, is, the question is, why? Was it a money there was too many, thing? 
there was too many too many ingredients in the in the stew. How do you figure? Because the, the the plot that we've described is what would one might say thin. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I think actually there weren't enough ingredients. Mm. Ooh. Like for uh, instance, any motivation. Oh, wait till my changes. Wait. Oh no. Oh. The, no. See, there was motivation, but uh, it it became out so so stiff that uh, it fell flat. Well, I think maybe she. I mean, are you talking about the motivation? I think there is motivation on the part of of Tom Cody, but I don't think there is motivation on the part of like uh, Green Goblin. Clearly, he's just there to fuck around and find so out. So to speak. Yeah. Now, here's a question: Could good actors have saved this? There were good actors there. there. Were. Oh, no, I mean, like, consistently across the board, like the heroes. Good direction, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder a lot about the direction of this movie. Watch I, me like somebody went on to do, like, amazing things and we're just kind of poo-pooing it all. Uh, it's still a memorable film. So can you guys give an example of the direction? Because I don't remember it clearly at all. <laughs> well, just how the actors are tackling it. Oh, I see. Yeah, the composition... It's mm-hmm. all right. Okay, uh, so that's kind of what I was going for. Like, is it the if a bit stiff? Yeah, mm. like issues with pacing. Yes. Oh yeah, pacing is a huge issue, which is unfortunate because technically there's a salt. Like, if you dive in, if you dig around, and you, you you wipe it off. There's a solid task. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There's a plot. There's there's a you got to go there. You got to get her. You got to come back. That's solid, man. You know what uh, movie did this really well? Hmm. Uh, kind of a similar road trip, but awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Whoa! Yeah. They essentially just go a place mm-hmm. and come back. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> none of the characters were likable mm-hmm. or liked each other. Mm. And, and like, it got to the point of, like, then, like, where you're like, why the fuck are you even in here? I oh, like here's the sister and brother thing. Here's one thing I think makes it feel like it didn't really move or anything. Mm-hmm. The characters didn't really have a lot of character progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You end the movie more or less how it started. Yes. Oh, because- almost exactly. Yeah. But- Oh, but they like each other now. <laughs> like, hooray. Like, uh, like, Tom, Tom and, um, and Billy, they, uh, respect each other and like, like, I may be the one she needs, but you're the one she loves. So like, it's a good line to be fair. I don't mind that. It's it was good. one of the only good lines. Well, it's oh, for yeah, Rick that, Moranis. That was a great line. Yeah. That, but just, and like, just yesterday you were, you said, uh, the, uh, you were saying how stupid he was. And you, there, there was nothing in between to <laughs> change that. Well, Absolutely none of it was earned. Yeah, the earning is a big part. The in between that was, was uh, beating up Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you want to try and uh, talk shit at the man who, <laughs> you know, shot up an entire gang and beat up Willem Dafoe? I don't think so. I mean, he was willing to uh, uh, talk shit to him earlier. Yeah, but that's before he beat up Willem Dafoe. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that's the key. for that. <laughs> so, so I, I actually, I, I want to bring this vaguely around to an educational point. What, for our listening audience, is that there's two kinds of movement, right? Uh, or at least we're describing two different kinds of movement in the story. There's a progression of plot where they're literally, like, is shit happening, right? 
And then there's the progression of, of the characters. Like, have they actually changed? And that's the thing that I think that, that people need to remember is because we are all affected by everything we do, right? Like, uh-huh. I am going to be a different person after this podcast than I was when I started. <laughs> oh, but we when all are. <laughs> but when your characters don't change, then whatever they've been doing evidently is nothing. It's poof. It's, it could be a dream. It's, it's garbage. It's not real because they didn't change. And that takes you out of a story. So you have to have two kinds of movement. And I don't know why suddenly I'm kind of New York, but there it is. Because it's uh, not Gotham. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, maybe I'm Boston. Yeah. No, no, no. We're not doing that anymore. <laughs> I, I want to point out that there you can get away with a lot in terms of, you know, bad plot, plot holes, things like that. Mm-hmm. If it moves fast enough. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> move fast, look pretty. Yeah. So if you're moving fast, the audience can't go, but wait, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense because they're already going like, oh, and now this cool thing before they realize that the cool thing doesn't make sense. Well, it's like the Indiana Jones thing as well. Cause like ideally, if the audience is going, wait, what? If you're moving fast enough, all of a sudden you have something else happening. It's like, okay, I don't give a shit about that anymore. Let's do the next thing. Yeah. Cause you know what? That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. get away with it if you do that. It's yeah. just like, yeah. yeah, mindless, mindless action, mindless mm-hmm. romance, uh, mindless whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the examples I can think of, the, just of bad pacing hanging and also bad and character or stuff is, well, when they get to, uh, the bad part of town, the battery, like, there's, they're sneaking around, like, like, uh, and they run into a, uh, a homeless person and, and there's a, like, I know where they, hey, bro. About the girl, and like they brought her, her down to Torchy's, he's second floor, or and uh, and like Tom's like, good, good. Billy, he pays he's a man for, for the info, and really reluctantly does after being friend. And then and Billy, he points out, I already said that they, they were gonna bring her to, <laughs> bring her to Torchy's, and he did. Yeah, we got that yeah. information twice. You know what? It's that it's that thing where you know it's a wasted chess move, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You had a minute of the audience's attention, and you did fucking that with it? I remember an old screenwriting professor of mine. Uh, Ooh, tell us the stories, Brendan. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> basically point out that exact point there, where you have a limited economy mm-hmm. of minutes in a screenplay. Yeah, um, yeah. So if you're spending an entire minute telling me something, it's going to be important. Yep. And it's an important minute in the most important weekend of these characters' lives, basically. Mm-hmm. is the, you know, the time frame of standard movie is, like, basically a weekend where shit happens. <laughs> Why is this the story that's being told right now? Yeah. yeah. What is the moment of change that's happening yeah. for these characters? Because that one minute of the uh, homeless informant telling you stuff you already knew could have been spent doing anything else, like mm-hmm. character development. Yeah, for instance. Yeah. But, but I, yeah, like, uh, Yo. <laughs> Going back to the, the uh, I really want to bring up Indiana Jones because that's a thing where somebody takes a character and you stick him in a situation and you say, go fetch. And then we as the audience get to watch him go fetch. And it's not until after you're done. And he's doing things that he as a character would do, right? Uh, and he's coming out the other end having like learned how to punch Nazis even better. Things like that. But it's not until you're out of the movie theater and you actually think about it that you're like, wait a second. If he hadn't been part of this story at all, the exact same thing would have happened. The Nazis would have found the Ark and would have gotten their faces melted off. Done. Yeah. So he, in practical terms, did fucking all for the story. But 
He was fun to watch. Yeah. And we got to be like, oh, like, here's what this guy would do in this situation. And, and that's, you know, you got to think about that kind of thing. And we, do we give a fuck what Cody would do in this situation? I don't. I'm glad the girl got rescued, but that's about it. If he was more charismatic, I would have. Yeah. yeah. See, well, that, there's that. Not all of us could be Harrison Ford. Because many, many change I do. This doesn't mm. count as to what I'd actually be doing, but replace. <laughs> Steal it now. Uh, the actor mm-hmm. with Tom Hardy. <gasps> oh, shit. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Tom Hardy, yes. But what about Shannon Tatum? And the reason I'm saying is because I think he can sing, too. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Tom Cody does not necessarily need to sing if everyone else uh, is singing around him. And that yeah. can be its own weird character thing. You're right. That might be funnier. Yeah. Wait, is Channing Tatum Willem Dafoe? No, he would <laughs> never do that. He would never kidnap a girl randomly. Mm. Uh, he no. might be the boyfriend, though. He might be He might be Rick Moranis. I think he'd nah. have fun with that. He That would be so fucking funny if he was Rick Moranis. <laughs> Okay, I'm good now. <laughs> and people just say, and you're cowardly and you're short. <laughs> and you're short. <laughs> but to basically reiterate Brendan's point. Uh, now that uh, he railed, good, good. Yeah, got us back on track. Uh, wow. There is a very limited amount of time in the movie. Uh, and also, it costs money. Uh, mm-hmm. So what? every single choice have to be deliberate. Every one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Why Why is that curtain blue? There's a reason. In a <laughs> movie, that yes. reason was, it's the cheapest at Target that day. There is a reason. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Well, and if that's the one that's cheap at Target that day, then they're like, maybe we need to add blue to other scenes. Because now it means feelings. <gasps> uh, mm. And when it comes to uh, written stories, uh, mm-hmm. books, uh, things like that, uh, if it's not important, why bring it up? Yeah. And Don't have this is- meaningless uh, conversations in your stories just for the sake of it. It should always be in service to the plot. Such or, as the, I, or the character. Well, yeah. I have, so I have a one, I have a weird nuts and bolts suggestion on that one, which mm-hmm. is that my, my kind of go-to for whether or not dialogue belongs is does it do at least two things? Um, one of the things should be, progressing the plot and the other one should be progressing the characters now theoretically though you can switch one of those out if for instance you need a moment of levity okay like heavy shit's been going down this is a cheap way to do it so you can switch out one of the this progresses characters this uh progresses plot but you can't switch out both uh, i would argue the moment of levity is in mm. service to progressing the plot because that helps uh build up the tension and surprises later on in the plot well, I would say, for me, plot is like the things that happen, whereas the story is how you've told it. Fair enough. Everything is in service of to one of three things. Ooh, okay. It is either in service to the plot, mm-hmm. it is either in service to the character, or it is either in service to the reader. Ooh, mm-hmm. shit, yeah. So that moment of levity, maybe it's mm-hmm. not a character development, maybe it's not progressing the story, but it is giving something to the reader who might have needed a moment to breathe after whatever the fuck just happened. But what I'm Exposition saying is that- also falls under this. I would, but here's the thing, I would say that if you ha- just, ha- technically, I think that going and asking the, the homeless guy there where it is, and then you get that little brief joke, that's only the moment of levity. I think you need to have two of those three elements going on at any one time. If you can't pinpoint how it's two, either recast your dialogue or get rid of it. Here's the thing. It might have worked as a moment of levity without the other two if it weren't repeating something. 
Yeah. yeah. Mm. That was the main sin of that one. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, because then, well, then it would have been plot. See, you get your plot and your levity. See? Because the, the, the homeless person could have been like, yeah, I know you might want to go in through that door that you're heading towards. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, they got a team of guys with shotguns on the other side. You'll be dead in five seconds. You want to go in through the food service entrance. Or even just, I, I, I gotta say, you could do something real short and pithy. Uh, you know, like, yeah, of course they took her to Tommy's, but this ain't Tommy's. Get it? So they've changed locations. So he's given some new, inf- everybody's information's still good. Yeah. It's just that it's also wrong. And then it's a good moment. And then you also find yeah. out kind of like, kind of place that the battery is. Woo. Anyway, if, if it's something that you can't do like, uh, uh, naturally, I guess. You know, and you're really not sure, you know, oh, people say that my dialogue is, isn't doing what I need. This is a way to look at it from a, a quality. Yeah. Thank you. A mechanical, uh, a mechanics view of it. Yeah. Um, Also, if people are saying that your dialogue isn't working, take a moment and actually examine how people talk. Yep. Start, (laughs) go to a coffee shop, eavesdrop like crazy. Start reading your shit out loud and seeing where you're like, oh, wow, that feels gross in my mouth to say. Like just, (laughs) Word shapes, you know. If, if you're if you're confident uh, of uh, ask a friend to to read it out loud for you, and uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then uh, and then listen to them, um, try to actually say that with uh, with uh, with actually any emotion, and go, oh, that's why. That's oh, why. oh no. Or I I like to have a um I have one of those really old Kindles um before they started locking down on the ability to turn uh, text to speech, so. Have your robot read it to you, and you're sitting there and be like, oh, oh no. Because you as the author know how it's supposed to sound, right? You're adding in the acting. But the robot doesn't know shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's, uh. And your friend as well. Yeah. yeah. So we, we covered the story as well as some of our, uh, kind of philosophical <laughs> points of, uh, storytelling here. Yeah, the point uh, of the podcast. <laughs> let's, let's talk about. Changes. 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 Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go first. Fair enough. Uh, I'm actually, uh, gonna actually, uh, add another element to this too. Okay. Oh. Uh, even though, oh, I said, uh, said that in my opinion, it has too much. I am actually going to make it magic and ma- actually <gasps> make him make, make Raven and a fucking fairy king. Yeah. Yeah. Get all labyrinth on this shit. <gasps> Oh my god, yeah. dance, dance magic, dance. And like, why did it ha- happen? Ah, no, because she was, was hanging on, on, on Halloween, and that's like, and he, he's, he's in the moral realm, go, oh, was, hey, you, you're coming back with me. Like, guys, she made a deal for she, her voice. Listen, oh, she went to Carter Hall for a concert, and there she plucked a double rose to throw to the audience. And he should have been like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Mm. But that would make Tom Cody would have to be Tom Nunn. Ah, uh, damn it! No, uh, Pep, you were about to say hey, that she made a deal for her voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds yeah, but, good. Yeah, because she doesn't write her own songs. That's a devil thing. That that's a different corner. The, uh, you don't the, deal with the fairies like that. Fairies grant you favors. They grant These you favors. But she, okay, she doesn't write her own songs. She doesn't. That's true. Well, because here's the thing: fairies. Don't actually exist, so what? we can add what? extra rules here. What? What? I, I, I said it. it. I, I, guys, guys, it's a good thing that we are not over there. Let's just say that. Okay. Oh yeah. So uh, we're gonna touch iron, and uh, Brendan will just have to deal. Yeah. Uh, we'll miss him. Yeah. <laughs> I can still hear his voice sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 
Ah, no. Oh, uh, Tom Cody, he's a witcher now or something. (laughs) (laughs) Toss a coin to your Cody. (laughs) Oh, God. Like, I mean, he's only slightly less personable personable than uh, Geralt. (laughs) Geralt would not have stood for any of this fucking shit. Geralt would not have grown that fucking mustache. Sorry, I have a lot of feelings about that mustache. It just ruined a lot of things for me. Garrett would have argued for two thousand, for uh, twenty thousand. <laughs> Jaskier would have been having a great time. <laughs> Jaskier, he's a musician. He'd been like, "Yeah, he is. <gasps> I've come home. Hmm. I am not going to write a Streets of Fire." Yeah, you are. The yeah, Witcher you are. AU. Fucking yeah, you are. You absolutely, this is going to remind you every goddamn uh, day for the rest yeah, of your life. Uh, where Jaskier gets stolen uh, and Geralt has to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Pippin. Yeah. Nobody talk to me. And, and nobody talk to me right now. Somebody else go. Yeah. And also, also, McCoy is just a normie lesbian and go, what the fuck is this mag- magic to them? Like, it's like I'm back in high school. Everybody keeps trying to seduce her. She's like, you are not my type. And you are not my type. And you are not my type. Hey, Ellen. How you doing? How you doing, Ellen? You okay? You good? You want to get out of here? Hell yeah. Speaking uh, of, I want to go. Yep. Um... Come on, guys. I'm going to steal Pippin's thunder on this one. God obviously, obviously, McCoy's a lesbian and the sister need to get together. Forget all the rest of the fucking plot. <laughs> I don't care about it anymore. You know what would be really funny? I'm going to say it. Would it be really, really funny if uh, Tom Cody got his head busted in, like, not even to the first third of the film, okay? He's come back from the war. He's like, I got to do something. And then he gets his ass whooped, Okay. Maybe he's been kidnapped, too. Point is, now the sister's like, well, shit, I did this. McCoy's like, well, shit, I was supposed to be his backup. I did this. And then they look at each other and said, self-blame together? And then they, uh, d- d- Bonnie and Clyde that, except it's Bonnie and Bonnie. Um, forget, <laughs> there's there's not going to be any, like, fainting whatevers. There's going to be, they're going to put together some bombs. They're going to blow shit up. Oh, and they're going to kick a lot of people in the nuts. They're going to rescue everyone. Ellen Ames, or whatever her name is, uh, says, thank you so much for, for rescuing me uh, and my idiot uh, uh, ex-boyfriend. They're like, no problem. If we could have come just for you, we would have. But, you know, he's family, so we got to take him, too. Uh, Ellen goes off to nurse him or whatever. They have their own story. We don't care. I don't care what happens to them. They've been rescued. And now we go right back to focusing on, on McCoy and the sister. And um, and now now that the, the excitement has gone... Um, McCoy's like, maybe I gotta, maybe I gotta leave town. And, uh, you know, you're in your diner. That's okay. You know, that's, that's, I understand that's your life. And the sister's like, maybe I don't want it to be my life. Maybe I've been going nowhere fast. (laughs) Have you considered, have you considered that tonight is what it means to be young? (gasps) Oh my God. Oh, and then of course I'm going to do it. Um, you know, McCoy says, you know, but I, I gotta leave town and I don't know, you know, besides you're probably straight. And the sister's like, wait, what? (laughs) Uh, cause I love those kind of stories. Like, no, you're probably straight. So I'm just, I gotta leave town and because my feelings are hurt. Um, I'll get over it someday. Uh, and I definitely won't ask you what your feelings are. And then, uh, uh, so the sister's like wiping down a counter and she starts crying and then she sniffs and then she throws down her, her, uh, rag and she starts, uh, somehow she has a duffel bag behind the counter. She starts pulling up, stuffing, I don't know, dishware into it. Um, and just that moment, just that moment, car roars up and busts down the door of the diner, okay? And McCoy leans out the window and says, I couldn't leave without you. And and uh, uh, the sister raises up her thing. And it's like, I got money for the road. And she jumps into it. The, and, then, and then the car squeals out and it zooms off. And uh, because this is the 80s, unfortunately, we don't get a kiss. 
But we do see them putting their hands together, raised to, like Selma and Louise, holding hands up in the air as the wheels go squealing off into the night and just see the lights fade as they leave the city. Thank you. And good night. Well, okay then. <laughs> but Pip, would you would you watch my would you watch that movie? I don't want to talk about it. I want to yeah. talk about my story. Uh huh. Because my story is the best. Oh, is it? Yeah. Just give me a second. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, no. Because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. This movie has a lot of structural issues yes, that it does. would need to be fixed first. Say what? I know, right? Sounds uh, fake. Uh, and I, I mentioned earlier that part of my problem with the, this movie is that. Nobody really has any motivation. Mm-hmm. Rick Moranis is motivated by money. Great. No, that's valid. Uh, he has a valid motivation. That's I mean, true, it's not, but well, like, okay, it's not valid, but it's a good one. It, it makes a recognized uh, motivation. Also, uh, also, Ellen is his girlfriend, and I assume he does actually like her. Uh, well, debatable. He likes Very. that she's a meal ticket, and she likes that he's providing uh, opportunities for her to be a meal ticket. So, but also, he doesn't like grow or change or anything. Yeah, like, that. no one in this movie grows or changes or anything. Except, so for, I, except for the last, last five minutes when, and they suddenly respect each other. Yeah, out of nowhere. So that, in general, one of the things I would fix would be just the characters and making them better. But since the point of this is to try to make bigger uh, changes. <laughs> so here is what I'm thinking. Alan, she's real pretty. Yeah, one she might say uh, that she's a face... <laughs> That launched a thousand ships. <gasps> oh no! Yeah. And burnt the topless towers of Ilium. Thank you. So, Arlo. what if we rearrange the structure to make it more like uh, the Iliad? Iliad, yes. Yeah. yeah. Odyssey is the other one. That's the going home to Penelope. I, I for a second I was worried that there was a third one that whose name I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mortimer. It's different. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, we don't talk about Mortimer. Um, because in the sort of classic tale, Helen, rhymes with Ellen. Hell yeah. Is promised to Paris in the whole who's the fairest goddess battle, because that's what we do with mortals. Obviously. Um, and Aphrodite, or possibly uh, Venus, depending on how you're looking at it, uh, goes like, hey, Paris, if you choose me as fairest, I'll give you the prettiest woman on, a mortal woman on the earth. And because he's like a fucking teenager, I guess, he's like, yeah, okay. It's a gun. Uh, and nobody uh, either bothered to ask Helen or check to see if maybe she was already spoken for, which she was, she was, she was married. She got stolen off anyway. A whole big war started about it. Um, maybe you, this maybe one time, read about it in the story <laughs> called the Iliad. And basically the Trojan War happens. So basically what I'm saying is what if we have the Trojan War? We could have a whole big, uh, Trojan horse. People can die, even though part of the point of this movie is that no one dies. Wait, uh, yeah. No one does? No one does. Huh. Okay. I mean, motorcycles explode underneath them, but yeah, they're all right. Nobody dies on... Listen, it was part of their goal in making the film was that nobody would die. Mm-hmm. Huh. But yeah, that'd be really interesting set pieces. And also then we have a structure that we know fucking works. That's true. Because what's, the, what's the, 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 the Warriors, right? Warriors, I would argue, not always the best acted film. It's got some weird shit. But it's a, like a cult classic, and not the way that Streets of Fire is. <laughs> <laughs> cult classic, complimentary, as opposed to cult classic, <laughs> derogatory. <laughs> One of my favorite memes that I don't entirely understand, but appreciate. <laughs> and you would think I would have, you know, done a bit more research into what exactly happens in the Yiddish before this, 
Uh, but why would I start being responsible now? <laughs> That's not important. What's important is I had a brilliant idea. <laughs> Fair enough. And we're done. <laughs> All right. So buckle up. Cause I'm going to. Oh God. Nah. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not going to be uh, that uh, crazy here because you know what was occurring to me as the story started? Mm. Where's the band in all this? You're right. Oh my god, where's so <gasps> I know where they are. They're, they're on Glee. Well, no, Sorry. no, no. Sorry. Fuck off. Mis- Old Mr. Glee joke. <laughs> Mr. Shu has no place here. He's um, in the bathroom. So here's the thing that I was thinking of as I was like kind of watching the movie and thinking about what I'd changed necessarily because my mind wandered a lot while watching this. So sue me. <laughs> um, what was the band doing? And honestly, I wanted to have Tom's involvement in this be a bit more personal and connected with that. So I'm thinking that in the backstory, uh, before Tom went to war and changed whatever, he was part of the band. Oh. Uh, Did they play Waltz Matilda? No. Uh, and what happens uh, in the past is that uh, Tom was the songwriter. And also maybe oh, did like rhythm guitar uh, or, or maybe lead guitar or something like that. Say, like, does he play like sexy saxophone? He's a bassist. <laughs> oh, well, knowing how the bass fits played in Streets of Fire, sure. Um, the song, not the movie, uh, maybe the <laughs> movie too, whatever. Um, no, just maybe plays an instrument and can also sing too. But the thing is, it's Ellen who really made the songs mm-hmm. come alive. So they had a really good partnership, but. The war happened, and apparently it was a big deal because a lot of the people that were older than, say, 25, which uh, I, I would argue that Willem Dafoe's character is like teens, probably, at least as how he's portrayed. Mm-hmm. So, punk kid, hey. Um, hey. So, I'm thinking that Ellen, you know, like the movie, maybe thought that Tom had been killed in the war. So, she's trying to just strike it out as much as she can with the band, try to, you know, to provide for them and is doing her level best. It's not as good as it was back in the days with Tom. Um, Tom. but you know, the new manager, Billy, you know, hooks up with a mm. good songwriting talent and all that. So is able to have some margin of what she used to be with, uh, Tom there and the band. I want to have the band be actually characters too again, uh, because, uh, like Pippin was mentioning, Tom gets brought back in with, you know, by the band, kind of the emotional plea, not necessarily the money plea. Mm, I like that. And part of the overarching story as shown in the movie is going to be Tom getting his music back. <gasps> How Tom Aww. got his music back. How Tom <laughs> got his muse back. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. What? What? Nice. Puns. Sorry. <laughs> hey, no, I, I just think, that then would also give Tom an emotional core in this movie that honestly he is lacking aside from I have a shotgun and I know how to use it. But in this one, he could be, I have a shotgun. I know how to use it. And I'm conflicted about that fact Mm. because I used to play the guitar, not the shotgun. (laughs) Not as many strings on a a guitar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On a shotgun. Yeah, it's, it's a lot easier to play. Hey. Um, oh, and suddenly we're in El Mariachi and oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, another really good movie. Six oh, yeah. During Samurai. Oh, Six During. Now there's a movie that's a rock <laughs> opera. Now, Ugh. again, this 
having the band be involved as well would allow for a lot more music to be played uh, diegetically throughout the movie. I think it just makes more sense. And then Mm. hell, the motorcycle gang, the bombers, they could just be a rival band and they're just trying to make sure that Ellen's out of the picture so that they (gasps) can uh, secure like the gig at Madison Square Garden's equivalent or something. Is it a battle of the bands? Sure. There's going to yes. be a battle of the bands at the end. Fuck yeah. I just realized like, another thing that after you're done. Uh-huh. Oh, just another plot that they could have stolen. West Side Story. Which is mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But West Side Story explicitly has gangs. So, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. From your yeah. first cigarette to your last, to your last dying car, day. you got a dump. <laughs> nice. I, I just think that would create a lot more emotional beats or opportunities for emotional beats that just weren't present before. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Then we could have at the the finale there, uh, the last song being sung by Ellen, but then it merges into a duet because Tom decides to stay. Aww. He finally steps out into the light. Yeah. Yeah. (gasps) Oh, like he's been avoiding spotlights the entire movie because, again, that could be like a visual representation of PTSD, how it's uh, obscuring his music and all that. But now he's comfortable being seen again. Oh, also, um, maybe she, that was maybe part of what was, you know, kind of going on between them, like on behind the scenes that she's like, you know, I you got to be part of this, too. And he's like, no, that you know, you're the face. I'm just the, I'm just the words. That kind of thing. Oh, but it turns out he can sing. He has the voice of an angel. <clears throat> And, you know, this could also maybe serve as a good method for uh, addressing issues of toxic masculinity and all that and how seeking help and therapy and advice is actually a good thing. Hey. What? Well, what? through the magic of metaphor in film. Like, <gasps> wait, you you mean to say that not being an asshole to everyone means that people treat me nicer? Weird. I know. What? And the thing is, like, that's why he gets into this adventure in the first place because his band knows how he used to be before the war. And that's why they want him in on this because they, they remember, they want to try and, you know, the North remembers. Yeah. <laughs> also <laughs> conveniently, they know that Tom can kick a lot of ass uh, because we can still have exploding motorcycles and all that, but now we can have characters singing while they do it. And wouldn't Listen, that be fun? The dream. He ran away uh, and he joined the army. And so yeah. now he's got a certain set of skills. <laughs> he will find you. <laughs> <laughs> and he will kill you. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's good. So, be. yeah. So that's my change. It's going to be full-on musical. Yes. Eventual battle of the bands. It's going to happen. Mm. Amazing. So, uh, anyone want to do a game? A game? A game? A game. A game. Everybody ought to have a game. Fuck yeah, I want special appearance by, because I know who I want. Son of a bitch. I know who I want. I don't trust you. I'm, okay, I'm go for it, cat. Go, go for it. Yeah, I already said it earlier in this uh, in this podcast, I want Indiana Jones to fucking show up. <laughs> oh, poor Tom, he's gonna feel so inferior. Yeah, Good. but here's the thing, here's the thing. You know what would happen if Indy showed up on that street? He'd put on some fucking disguise and speak in a dumb accent, talking about the tapestries, um, and then... <laughs> And then he'd be like, maybe I could beat up all these people, or how about I just make a funny face and set the whole thing on fire? I like how the end result is still the entirety of the battery is on fire. Yes. 
but I think he would just be more charming at it. Yeah, of course. Listen, fire may not be uh, the answer, but it's certainly an answer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's mine. That's all. That, that's all. I just think, can you imagine how much fun this movie would be if fucking Indiana Jones showed up? I mean, most things are more fun oh, yeah. if Indiana Jones show, uh, shows that's up. That's why he's a meta character. So, okay, here's the thing. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm just going to go right into mine. Oh, of course. And I don't know how it's going to work because I refuse to think about it too hard. Like most things, really, if you think about it, which I won't. Uh, <laughs> so there's McCoy, right? Uh-huh. Hell yeah. But you know who my favorite McCoy is? Oh, no. No. Bones. God damn it. <laughs> so well, a if, transporter We've lost accident. Pippin now. She's lost, we've lost Pippin. She's gone now. <laughs> oh, my dearest boy. <laughs> Listen, the Enterprise threw, uh, flew through some weird cosmic gas... McCoy was on a transporter. He's going to hate it even more after this. Yeah, You'd be surprised how often <laughs> that man ends up in another time, married <clears throat> to a strange person on a strange planet, just sort of fucking dealing with whatever situations around him. But you know what he's going to do? His goddamn best. <laughs> he's an officer of Starfleet and a fucking doctor. Wait, I thought he was a floor wax. Oh, <laughs> new Doctor McCoy is a doctor and, and a floor wax. He's dead, Jim. But, but look, look, at, look that at that shine. shine. Uh, we Obscure need to do... reference number twenty-two. Uh, we need to put uh, the Star Trek comedy album on the list. Uh, oh God! Uh... <laughs> uh, I've I've had people. I've trained people who have, have no idea of the even existence of the Star Trek comedy album to say he's dead, Jim. But look at that shine. The mental link to the Star Trek comedy album is the fact that we also had that on cassette, and you know what? That yep. would also be part of the rotation on the drive through the lonely mountains of New Hampshire. Go yep. on. Uh. <laughs> Ask us about Band from Argo. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if he actually fucking solves anything, but you know what? He doesn't hurt. Oh, that's why all, that's why everyone comes out of it not dead. That's true. <gasps> now we and know. And they are missing several bottles of good Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> hey, but people who are missing limbs before yeah. suddenly aren't. <laughs> Convenient. Somebody who's missing a brain before. <gasps> That's how Tom comes back. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Hooray. straight up in one of the movies, Dr. McCoy gives someone a new kidney when they're back in time and he really shouldn't have fucking done that. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Listen. dialysis? What are we in the dark ages? Listen, McCoy, don't give a fuck. No. It's true. Uh, All right, uh, Al? Yeah, uh, fuck it, let's go with uh, Spike Spiegel. Well, from uh, Cowboy Bebop. I was thinking about Cowboy Bebop while we were talking. Yeah, because this seems like one of the gigs that that, uh, the Bebop crew would end up up doing and hating every minute of it. Also, Cowboy Bebop uh, does uh, music like this movie wanted to do. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Oh, you're yeah. kind of doing, uh oh. Yeah, that was, Cowboy Bebop did a lot of uh, the aesthetic that, that this movie was trying to do. But in a uh, sci-fi veneer. So I know, you guys have seen the set photos, right? Yeah, of course. Wait, yeah, wait, come wait, on. Wait. Oh, the no. set photos for the Netflix Cowboy Bebop, John Cho, uh, has uh, hair. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> sorry guys. Uh, well, look at it later, and you'll appreciate John Cho's hair. And suit. Yeah. And suit. Yeah, let's see. Uh, now he's, he shows up at, at, uh, Richmond. I think it's called the place. Yeah. Richmond. Yeah, that's what they called that borough without being a borough. Yeah. Like, 
He is probably walking off a hangover. As we all do. He he goes into the cafe, and you know what? That night, it's him that walks through, through the door, and, uh, and not uh, Tom. Yeah, and not Tom. <laughs> Tom actually got arrested by those cops. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Like, you gotta help, and and like, spy, like, like they stole Ellen, and and like, stole like like you could just call it kidnapping. <laughs> Uh, Spike and uh, take care of the entirety of the bombers without killing them. Yeah. I like how I'm sitting here being like, yes, these are characters. Yeah. Definitely know them. <laughs> Ask that boy of yours. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. Uh, but, can't I? <laughs> and Spike would actually be down for a uh, uh, sledgehammer fight in the middle of the street. I mean. To be fair, sledgehammer fights are fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, Not that I've ever done it. I mean, he'd wipe the floor with him with a, but uh, it'd be it'd be a fun time, and so, then he'd collect the bounty. Yeah, hell yeah, he would definitely take Rick Moranis's money. <laughs> oh yeah. So side note, right? So Jim Steinman wrote "Nowhere Fast" and says what it means to be young. Uh, he also wrote "I would do anything for love, but I won't do that." Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Is actually a song I associate with Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> Oh yeah, because of a, of a specific AMV. Wow. So that's part of my connection here, and this is all to say that when the new Netflix series comes out, I hope that someone makes a new uh, fan vid uh, to that. To uh, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> all right. So it's it's me, and uh, this will be a, a a favorite of you guys. Mm-hmm. Norman Osborne, kinda. <laughs> Yes! In his youth, oh, the- was part of a gang. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? That's right. The city here actually is New York, and it's in the Sam Raimi Spider-Verse. <gasps> yes. uh, after his run-in with Tom Cody, our guy here, uh, what was his name? Raven. Raven. <laughs> goes and assumes a new identity, uh, has his connections in the criminal underworld, whip up a new persona out of nothing and his name was norman norman that's a nice normal name right norman yeah. norman normal norman norman normal Ooh. and yeah uh through his connections uh in the new york underground he gets he gets more connections more money and slowly it surely creates uh the the powerful oscorp and oh the God. rest as they say is history as he eventually turns into a green goblin and you know <laughs> Attack Spider-Man. Hey, and and gives uh, and and it spawns James Franco. Yeah, of course. I mean, wait. Does this mean? Does this mean that on one of his uh, rides at the Green Goblin, he takes a, a quick detour to toss some uh, goblin grenades at a uh, Tom Cody's uh, place? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Once the Green Goblin stuff fully takes over, I mean, come on, that's, no question. That's- that that was honestly uh that was uh errand number one <laughs> yeah well errand number one was destroying the uh was it the scientist or whatever who told him no he couldn't have that funding or human testing errand number two on the way home to his apartment was yep. to drop a whole bunch of pumpkin bombs on tom cody's uh apartment really that was just responsible testing yeah. And and then and then then his sister comes back to town and says what happened to my brother and that's when mccoy shows up it's like you um you're back in town because I never uh, never thought you said you were never coming back. 
Just like, uh, well, my brother, my brother got blown up by a uh, green goblin. So I guess I got to uh, spend some time in town, but we don't have to see each other. Obviously it's like, no, no, of course not. Um, are they basically Tignataro and her wife? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, that, that, that's me. Yeah. We're, we're making this, uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Verse. Haha. That's amazing. Everything's the Sam Raimi Spider-Verse now. <laughs> Everything's all in one. Ha. Ah. Oh man. Remind me to send you a uh, post from a darker timeline. Post. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That, uh, they believed it for so long. Huh. And what's great is you don't is- look at the username. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Hey, that was, that was Streets of Fire, y'all. Yeah, it was. I think what we can all agree on is that we've been going nowhere slowly. And we've got to get away from the past. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing oh, yeah. wrong with going nowhere, baby. But, but we should be going nowhere, nowhere fast. fast. Listen, that's a fucking great album. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Jim Steinman was an artist. That song is is one of my favorites. Uh, also, one of my favorite AMV is uh, to the movie, to the anime movie, a uh, Red Line, you, which you guys should watch at some point because it's good. Uh, everyone should watch uh, Jeremy Jordan's cover of uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart and uh, uh, the really long Celine Dion one. Uh, there, there were nights when the something was yeah. so cold. Um, it's all coming back to me now. It, yes. It's, oh, there's a great AMV. For it's all coming back to me now. Uh, that's entirely the uh, comic books, Steve and Bucky. Like somebody spent time on that. Hey, it's amazing. Hey. <laughs> Does anybody have anything to plug? <laughs> uh, I do. I got. I got a shit ton to plug, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about that. Oh my god. I have a. Sh- I have a ton to plug. So I. Uh, it's it's still up available. I was just at ReaderCon, um, and you can still actually uh, uh, buy a registration and get to see an entire three days worth of of content that's been recorded and available. Um, it's going to be only there for six months. Other things coming up. I was uh, invited to participate in Flash Fiction Online's uh, 100th issue, Woo! and. Uh, Keen readers may recall um, that I have a story in that uh, from Flash Fiction Online uh, called "Your Hand and Mine Will Be All Right." Uh, so I believe the the current plan is that um, for the celebration, I will be doing a reading, a recorded reading of that story, and answering an interview, a brief interview, which includes stuff about this very podcast. What? Dun dun dun. Uh, and then finally, I believe. Sometime in November or right around the turn of the year, I have also been asked to participate in a reading of uh, strong women and non-binary writers and their works. And more information as I have it. Nice. Woo! Cool. Yeah, and I know, like, a lot happens in a very short amount of time. Yeah, uh, I, as usual, have my shows happening online on the Arcade Comedy Theater's uh, YouTube page. So check that out. There's playlists and everything. You can mm-hmm. find Slack Start pretty easily now. Hey. Aw. And Brendan's got amazing character work. So. Um, Weird, right? <laughs> oh, see him in real life. <gasps> kind of. What? Well, you'll see his face. You'll see his face. That's true. Well, no, not just your face. You stand. So you embody the space. There you go. Well, that's how you do good uh, Zoom prov, everybody. Stand. <laughs> anyway. Standing. <laughs> Hey, twins. Uh, yeah. We're just better than oh. other people. It's a mystery. Oh my Keep on God. saying that every single time, yet I haven't seen any proof. <gasps> Pixar didn't happen. Listen, 
listen, the moment I start putting effort into things, it's over for you, bitches. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna um just really yeah. wait on that one. So Bring you it. Could just, mm. Fuck all mm. y'all. I'm just better. Bring it on. Listen, also, a great Alex movie. is better. Bring it. We should do Bring It On sometime. Bring It On is a great movie. <laughs> uh, also, Alex is better than all of us. Are, are you going to deny that? Hey, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're better than the rest of us. Mm. Oh, thank you. That's like the living meme of our family, Alex. <laughs> Did you miss that? See, he's humble too, guys. I tell complete strangers that he's better than us. Well, yeah, obviously. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, is it time for us to get out of here? Yeah. I believe it is. There's ice cream right. in my freezer calling to me. Holy shit. Do I have ice cream? Okay. As Look, always. McCoy has the car heated up. We got to get going. We got to get going. <laughs> I have this bag full of dishware. Listen, tonight is what it means, means to, be, to young. be young. Okay. <laughs> As always, if you have an idea or prompt to submit, head on over to nostoryissacred.com slash submission. Follow us on Twitter at nostoryissacred or send an email through contact at nostoryissacred.com. Your hosts have been Alex McDonald, Pippin McDonald, Brendan McDonald, and Catherine Creighton. Editing for this episode done by Brendan. Transcript done by Ashley DaCosta. Art by Jay Wolf. Show notes and transcript are available at nostoryissacred.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and please rate, review, and subscribe to No Story is Sacred. You can also visit our Patreon page to support the show and get neat rewards at patreon.com slash no story is sacred. See you next time when we talk about <gasps> an original story idea from me. Mm-hmm. But Pippin, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Pippin. Why? It's science fiction space folk horror. Can I skip? <laughs> it won't be actually scary. You're fine. Don't worry about it. I don't trust your judgment. I mean, you I had exploding <laughs> brain larva last time. So. That's a very good point. I will say, I will say so far in my encapsulation of this plot idea there's no brain larva so far (sighs) until then (laughs) we're no story is sacred and any story can be changed can it (laughs) i'm brendan i'm pippin and i'm alex and we're no No story Story is sacred. sacred